morning, Bridge. Man, it got really quiet there for a moment, didn't it? Man, I'm glad you're here, uh, and I am so thankful for the worship time we had together today. I kind of coming back from a little time of vacation. I feel incredibly rested, uh, incredibly excited about what God is doing. The good news about this uh, really neat service last week where Pastor Jay and and the team, the missions team from the missions trip to West Virginia talked about what God had done. And th this is exciting stuff, to be a part of a church community that sees church as being more than a building, that sees church as I think God intended it to be seen, as a community of believers, people who really come together to worship, to encourage one another to love one another, but really goes out into the world to be the church. And, and together, that's really what we're going to talk about today as we, we talk about this next, this next message in this series called Bold Crossings, how God has given us a commission, and we see it in the story of Joshua. Uh, we, we see today the real secret, the real key, to this bold crossing purpose, our purpose, going across, not just to get across a raging river, not just to go into a promised land, but to go with a purpose in mind, and that is to carry the promises of God. God has called us to take his promises to a world that doesn't know who he is. Uh, I, I know promises are really important in our everyday life. If you've been married, you stood at an altar, you made a promise before God and to one another to love each other till death do you part. Uh, if you're a parent and you've ever made a promise, how many of you as a parent have made a promise to one of your kids? Would you wave at me? This Saturday, we're going to go have ice cream. We have ice cream. Go ahead. No. Saturday, I'll take you. And, and if that's on Tuesday, Wednesday... You know, are we going to date? No, Saturday. And it goes on through the week. And I guarantee on Saturday, if you break, you break that promise, you remember the plagues in the Bible that, that came upon the Egyptians? That's going to be nothing compared to what you're going to face if you dare break that promise. Husbands, how many ever made a, made a honeydew promise to your wife to do a task or a chore uh, be, be honest, how many of you have ever done that one time in your life? Would you wave at me? Come on. Okay. Uh, Kathy and I celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary this last week, Friday to be exact. <laughs> Pretty cool. Hard, hard to believe, considering my wife is only 39, okay? And so we, we had a great time away and it, it really is our reward for not killing each other along the way. But one thing that's really fun that when we think back, and we do a little of this reminiscing stuff as we celebrate these landmark moments, we talked about the time I made a promise to her to put a tree in front of the house. Uh, and, and she wanted not just a little tree, she wanted a pretty good-sized tree. And if you know palm trees, it was a royal palm. Most of you know I've lived a lot of my life in Florida, although I was born in Ohio, 
uh, have lived in Florida an awful lot. And so uh, I, she wanted the biggest one I could get. I borrowed my brother's little S10 pickup truck. You know, that's a little bitty pickup truck. And when they put the tree in the back, the ball of the tree went the entire width of the cab. The ball of the tree weighed more than the pickup truck. It dropped down. We made our way. I, I waited to do this strategically to keep my promise. I waited till my son David was back home from college, and, and so he was going to help me. We got to uh, the house, and he's just going, Dad, it took a crane to get that thing in the back of the car. How are we going to get it out of the back of the truck? And I explained to him, son, just watch. Watch and learn from the master. And my son has the gift of uh, mockery. You all know what that spiritual gift is? Okay. And, and so... We got, now you got to use your imagination. It's in the back. I said, David, it's really simple. All you got to do is tip it. And then when you get that weight perfectly balanced, okay, it's leaning, the ball of the, of the tree and the big long trunk, you tip it. How are you going to do that, Dad? I said, well, I'm going to stand on the rail of the pickup truck and I'm going to pull it down and I'm going to get it balanced and then we're going to roll it and it, it'll just roll so easily. And so... We started rolling it, and it was going really, really well. He did not yet have an opportunity to use his spiritual gift of mockery. And so I was going to get it right to the tailgate and, and just show him how in incredibly intelligent I was with these household chores. Uh, but it turned a little more Tim the Tool Man from thereafter because I was going to get it to the gate and just drop it in the hole because gravity, gravity can be your friend on occasion, sometimes not. But uh, I got it right to the back, right about the time when we're ready to push it in. The weight just shifted too much toward me, and I was literally hanging out. I was one moment standing on the rail of the truck, holding it, rolling it, and the next moment I was hanging out over the ground, falling away from the tree. I, I hung on for dear life, <laughs> and... and Suddenly, the tree ball remembered that it weighed more than me than the top and the top of the tree. How many of you know what a, uh, a catapult or a... <laughs> how many of you know what a French trebuchet is? You know what that is? And so I, I'm hanging there, just kind of... It's literally hanging there, and then that ball came whipping down. Now, I'm on one side of the bed of the truck, the rail, okay, the, the wall of the truck. It literally shot me across the truck through the air... I think it was 60 or 70 feet in the air. I'm not sure. It was just way up there. My, so, my son's first response, true to his spiritual gift, was mockery. I could hear him laughing as I'm flying through the air. I hit the ground with a thud. First conscious thought was, thank God, I am alive. Second thought, keeping promises is not always easy. I actually thought that. Keeping my promise... And, of course, he had that then moment of realization that just maybe, you know, I might have been hurt. Not that he was that concerned, but he came down and pretended that he was concerned. All that to tell you this. We're going to talk about promises today. That whole event happened because of promise I made. But sometimes promises hurt. <laughs> promises are not easy to keep. Sometimes you make a promise that's a little hard to follow through on. Marriage can be that promise. Sometimes you make a promise at work or a promise to one of your kids or 
you know what? You promise God that you'll do something. And then it gets a little bit difficult. And then you're reminded about the promise you made. And so today, I hope you'll stick with me through these next couple of moments because the story of Joshua. Now, we've already crossed the, the Jordan River. We've been talking about that all summer long, which is really amazing. Miracles happening here. But you, you don't go across the Jordan River just to get to the other side. You know, why'd the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side? No, there's a little more to that than just getting to the other side. And God does not stop the water of the raging rivers in our, our life so we can experience a bold crossing. He doesn't do it just so we can get to the other side. There's a purpose of going to the promised land. In your life, God's going to open up doors of opportunity for you. Now stick with me here for a moment. He is going to make it possible for you to do some things. And if you don't take advantage of being on the other side of the river, there's really no purpose for you being there. And one of the real keys to really achieving what God wants for your life is to grab a hold of the promises he has given you and allow God to take those promises and help because they will help you become everything God intends you to be. Let's go ahead and get started. In your notes, there's, a, there's an idea here I want to get started with because we're going to look at uh, Joshua today. We're, we're going to look at the chapter number six. And in Joshua chapter number six, the first thing I want you to see is this. God's promises give us the courage to overcome the challenges we face. You see that in the story here uh, because it, it's, it has so much application because all of us face challenges. Everyone faces hard times. No one gets a free pass. And, and we all, if the truth be known, think sometimes that we may have it worse than somebody else or maybe we think possibly that uh, we, you know, it's just not fair. But if you look at challenges through the lens of God's promises, you will find that anything God puts in your life, he has given you a promise that you can claim that will help you overcome it. And so let's, let's go ahead and get started. God's word, God's word is so amazing. And chapter six, verses one and two gets this story started with giving us some insights into the first challenges they faced after crossing the Jordan River. Now, the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. Remember that phrase, okay? Okay, over on the sound, we're going to do this. Anybody that needs to clear their throat, <laughs> let's all do it together, okay? <coughs> Would you kind of kill me up here for a moment? <coughs> Don't literally kill me. Anybody else got any water? <coughs> Pastor Jay, did this happen to you last week? <laughs> I need another week of vacation, okay? That's all I'm saying. Sorry, guys, really. Okay. Everybody want to make me feel better all at once, but everybody let out a good cough. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Somebody's going to be listening to this tape someday going, those people are crazy. <laughs> okay, back to the verse. Easy for you to say it. Here we go. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. The gates of Jericho, tightly shut, because the people were afraid of the Israelites. You got this now? They're across the River Jordan. They have come to the city of Jericho, which is the first city, the first walled, fortified city. Again, keep in mind, those of you that are kind of history buffs, different time, not so much a national state uh, structure, but city-states. Each city had their own walls, their own king, their own government. So here we go. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, all its strong warriors. The first part of this verse really makes the, the challenge kind of clear. The gate's shut. It's a wall. It's a fortress. People are going to be on the top of the wall shooting down. This is not going to be easy. And, and I think everyone here comes up against tightly shut gates in their lives. We, we come right up against something. You can't get past it. It, it may be something uh, that has to do with finances. You have a need, and, and that gate is locked down. You cannot see a way through it. You can't imagine what's going to happen next. There are times when it comes to issues of health, and it appears like that gate is just locked down, shut down. And when we come up against a tightly shut gate, you've got to remember that God's word is filled with promises. Now, there is a promise, I think, some people say for every day of the week, but I, really there's more than that. There's more than 365, one for every day of the year. Some, some people who are a lot smarter than I am have taken the time to just read the scripture with this one thought in mind, counting the promises. And depending on how you define a promise, but there are people who have counted from 3,000 to 7,000. So even if you take the lower, the lower number, th th there are so many promises in God's word. Now here's where I, I want to speak to this, and I want to say it in love as your pastor, as your shepherd, and as your friend. But one of the greatest things I see in people's life, people I'm getting to know, people who are a part of our church community, is more times than not when they come up against a tight gate, they do not have in their heart a scriptural promise that helps them unlock that tight gate in their life. In other words, their knowledge of Scripture is too vague, maybe anemic, maybe non-existent. And you can't stand on one of God's promises if you don't know what the promises are. And one of the great reasons and purposes of us being called upon as Christians to study God's Word, to get to know it, to have a daily quiet time, is so that when we hit a tightly shut gate in our life, we have a promise from God to get through 
that gate. That's what Joshua had. That, that's what faith does for you, but you can't just have blind faith. You've got to put the faith in a promise from God. In, in other words, it, God had already told Joshua the walls are coming down. And, and so for Joshua, it was as if the walls were already down. And, and when we face those tightly shut gates in our life, I know Kathy and I, 45 years of marriage, we, we just had such a neat time talking this last week about what the, the neat moments in our life and, and the things God has taken us through. But it, but it was all based on this idea that when we get married and we, we made a commitment to each other, that, that for us, quitting just it wasn't an option. You know, there's even something, I think, sometimes worse than quitting. And that is to just get into a rut and endure one another and not work at making it better. I believe God has given you promises that will help you break down the gate of the rut you might be in in a relationship. God will help you. There is help. There is help. You've got to believe. You've got to have hope. In this, because that's what this first principle is all, all about. God's promises give us courage to overcome the challenges we face. And so, how many, how many promises are there in the Bible? Thousands of them. And they are there for us, but you can't know them if you don't have a quiet time and learn them. Now, in the story, Joshua found out that uh, God would make good. And so, our next verse... Verse number 20, Joshua chapter 6. We're going to jump down a little bit in the chapter. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, okay, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Well, this is God making good on his promise. God put fear in the hearts of the people of Jericho he worked the miracle of breaking down the tightly shut gate and broke down the walls. Down they came. And, and let me just give you two practical keys here to kind of wrap up this idea here of how God gives us promises to help us overcome the challenges we face. Uh, when you have a promise from God and you know what it is, let me ask you to take it one step forward. Not just intellectually affirm, okay, that's a promise, that's cool. Ask God in prayer. So take the promise, attach to it a personal prayer because the prayer will claim the promise as yours. The promise will be embraced by you through the prayer. And, and promises embraced in prayer are unstoppable. The only thing you don't know, you know God's going to keep his promise. The only thing you don't know is when. And I believe as you pray, God will even give you peace about the when. Now, there's a great quote I got here. You want to read some cool stuff about one of the great, greatest missionaries that ever lived. His name is William Carey. I've given you a quote uh, down here from him. The future is as bright as the promises of God. And if you believe in the promises of God, you have to have an optimistic view of the future. And you have to believe that no matter what challenges come your way, with God's help, you will overcome them. That's number one. Number two, the second thing we learned from this chapter. God's promises will often have conditional provisions. Now, when I, there's so many things we could have pulled out of this chapter, 
But th this just is really clear to me, and it's a lesson I, I really want us to take home, take to heart here today. God's promises will often have conditional provisions. I can't tell you how often I've heard people uh, take a promise from Scripture and take it out of context. And what I mean by that, uh, they apply it in a way that God didn't intend. Uh, they take it out of context or they ignore the conditions because God, God oftentimes gives us conditions. It would be no different than going back to our, you can have ice cream on Saturday, but before we go get ice cream on Saturday, son, you've got to mow the lawn. And so Saturday rolls around and as a dad, I'm going to make good on the promise but there was a condition, and the condition was, son, you need to mow that lawn, and then I'll take you Saturday to get an ice cream. And so Saturday rolls around, and, and son comes and says, Dad, I'm ready for the ice cream. And I ask, did you mow the lawn? And, and so God chooses to give us conditions oftentimes which are a prerequisite to his fulfilling a promise. You say, is that fair? Of course it's fair, because God wants to include us in this amazing process of working out his purposes on this planet. Uh, I, I remind you, I've mentioned this before, but the nation of Israel stood before the world as an example of the fact that God was real. In fact, Scripture spells it out. The prophets say repeatedly throughout the Old Testament that God did not choose Israel because they were more in number or greater than the other people groups of the world. God chose Israel because of his grace and his mercy. And he said, I want to choose a people who will follow me by faith. And as long as they follow me, I will bless them. I'll keep my promises. The children of Israel, on many occasions, did not keep their end of the bargain. The promises did not become null and void. God would make good of them. They just needed to keep their end of the bargain. And that is what is true in our lives as believers. God wants to meet you every day and to literally walk with you and, and impress upon your heart in sweet fellowship, his love. But, but if you have boxed him out and if you have chosen pleasure and sin for a season, and when the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, don't do that, if you say, shh, leave me alone. I'm doing my thing. I'll see you on Sunday. God will become quiet. The Holy Spirit will become quiet. There are promises with conditions, and you cannot miss that. What's the, the story? The condition here is kind of you know, part of the story we've looked at already, so I won't spend a lot of time with it. But in Joshua chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute. Remember we told the story about that? She is in the lineage, uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She's a, a wonderful trophy of God's grace. Someone who was an unbeliever, who became a believer. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared. For she protected our spies. You remember when the spies went in? She protected them in her house. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction 
or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. So this is definitely a promise with a condition. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. So don't mess up here. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord, must be brought into his treasury. Let me just kind of recap the conditions here. Number one, everything. Everything is to be destroyed with these exceptions. Rahab and her family. Rahab and her family are, are going to be spared. Next, they couldn't plunder. Uh, there's a saying in war, you, you've heard it, you may not even realize it, uh, and you can fill in the blank here. To the victor belongs the what? Yeah. Yeah, you guys are great historians. I'm impressed. What an intellectual crowd. The truth is, it's a part of military history. When you conquer a people, you get the spoils. Here, God says, no. No, you, you, not, it's not how it's going to work here. It, because the silver, the gold, the metals were to be taken into the national treasury. Into the treasury of the nation of Israel. So there's really nothing complicated about these conditions. God says, I'm going to do something pretty cool. I'm going to do a miracle. Walls are going to fall down into the ground. They're going to disappear right in front of you. I'm going to give you the promised land. I, I told you I would, but here's the conditions. You better, you better keep your promise about Rahab. You better not plunder and keep anything for yourself. Uh, everything else has to be destroyed. But the silver, the gold, that stuff, it goes into my treasury. Nothing complicated there. Now, I'm going to give you a last thought here under this to kind of help you maybe take this idea a little bit further in your own per personal spiritual, your spiritual development. Because God's promises, they're amazing, but they have conditions. Many of his promises have conditions. And so in your notes, I put this statement. You can't expect God to supply your need, your needs, when you're robbing his treasury. Now think about that for a moment. What do you mean, Ed? Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about giving and, and how God created us to be givers. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches, in glory, in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4. In other words, God says, I'll meet your need. Now, he did not say, I'll supply all of your wants. You all realize there's a difference between a want and a need, don't you? There are things that we want that are not necessarily needs. But God has promised to take care of our need. Now, there's a condition there. In fact, there's even the purpose. If you keep reading that chapter, you'll find out. Paul says, I'm not asking you to give. He says, you've already done that. He says, I'm, just, I'm explaining to you that if you are givers, your needs will be met. And he said, you will receive a reward for it. You read on down in that chapter, it says it. That, that I want you to do this because you will receive a reward. Again, a condition of receiving a blessing from God. It's tied to giving. Scripture spells out that the tithe is the Lord. 10% of everything Kathy and I received for 45 years from the day we got married, we gave it to God and beyond. Not, that does, I'm not telling you that to thump my chest. I'm simply telling you that's the bare minimum of what God asked us to do. And God has supplied our needs in incredible ways we have never done without. There's been a few wants along the way. I haven't got my Ferrari yet. I have not got my Lamborghini yet. But you know what? I really don't care. 
I've always had transportation. God has taken care of my need. And, and I, I know that you can sit there and go, Ed's just trying to get the offerings up. No, I can honestly tell you, that's not what floats my boat. Counting how much comes in the offering. I've never been in the room when the money's counted. I don't know who, I don't know what you give anything. But I do know this. I do know that if you give, God will bless you. And I do know that you can say that your need will be met if you are a generous person. And so in this story is this really cool moment where we realize how important it is, how God puts on us this, these potentials for blessing if we keep his promises and, and follow the conditions. It, it's a beautiful thing. God lets us be a part of working his purposes out on this planet. And that's what happens in local church community when we pool our resources, we give together, and we do church with mission being the main thing, and we invest in people. And frankly, crossing the Jordan has a purpose to it. And that's something I hope you see as we move to our new location, is that we're not going there just to have a new building. We're going there so that we can put our resources in the mission and people. And that is exciting to think that that is really close, that's within our reach. And many of you are grabbing a hold of this. A lot of you are volunteering and being a part of this. And so if you believe this, not only will God give you courage for the walls that are in front of you and the tight gates, but God will also fulfill his promises if you'll be honest and ask yourself the question, am I meeting the conditions? Number three, let's wrap it up with this thought. God's promises are often available to unbelievers. Uh, sometimes we as Christians get a little stingy with God's promises. We forget that God wants to use us to be a bridge, a conduit to people who don't know Jesus. God's promises are, are not only available to us, but in the story here, it's very clearly you know, seen in verses 22 and 23. Let's go ahead and read it. Meanwhile, Joshua said to his two spies, keep your promise. Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house, bring her out, along with all her family. The men who have been spies went in and brought out rehab, her father, brother, and the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. I, I don't know if you realize this or not. If you received God's promise of salvation, in fact, God made a promise that if you believed, you would be saved. John 3, 16. Would you guys help me with this? For God so loved what? The world. He gave his only. Whosoever will shall not but have. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? Condition? Believe. You don't receive it until you believe. God has asked us to take that promise to people who do not believe. There are people who need Jesus, who are desperate for Jesus. They don't even know it. And we as his children, just like the children of Israel, God chose them, just like God chose you and saved you, for the purpose of letting the world know. Do you know people came from all over the world to see through the children of Israel in the ancient world, that there was a God? The queen of Ethiopia came. 
met Solomon, David's son, and said, the half has not yet been told. This is amazing. There is a God. God wants to bless his people and in the process prove to the world that for God so loves the world. And we are supposed to rescue those, take them to safety, just like the children of Israel took Rahab and her family, and they become such a cool part of the genealogy of Jesus. The story of Jesus would not be complete without the rescue, the trophy of God's grace. Rahab, once a prostitute, now a follower, a godly woman, a follower of God. And here's my kind of my wrap-up for you here today. If you will recognize that God didn't just save you, give you eternal life and his promises so you can sit back and enjoy it and come to church on Sunday and just feel good for a moment. Take the lesson from Joshua. We've been commissioned to take God's promise to unbelievers to rescue those who can be rescued. And so let me kind of cut to the chase here and ask you a question that will kind of qualify and help you understand whether or not you're taking this Seriously, ask yourself the question. Here is it. It's in your notes. Who are you praying for to receive God's promise of salvation through Jesus? If you can't think of anybody you're praying for every day, you're probably not out there taking the promises to the Rahabs of this world who need Jesus. And so if we don't take this question to heart and the promise of salvation... There's really no purpose to crossing the Jordan. It's not, the promised land is not just there for us to enjoy. It is there for us to take God's purposes to people who need hope. Let me kind of wrap it up with this. Every one of us today are going to leave here, go on about our business, go on, meet with our family, have a nice meal. But you're missing the purpose of God's promises if you don't leave here on a mission to take his promises to others who need his love. And so my challenge is before you come back next week, ask God to put somebody on your heart that you're going to pray for every day. Not just once a day, but every time God brings them to your mind, you will pray for them. You will pray for them to believe so that they can be saved and have everlasting life. God did not just save us to sit back and enjoy our salvation. He saved us to serve. He saved us to give. He saved us to rescue the perishing, to care for people who are dying without hope. And so there is a purpose to all of this. And my hope and prayer today is you will carry the promises of God. You will be an ambassador for Jesus. You'll first... Preach the gospel with your life and then ultimately with your words. Let's bow for prayer. Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.